From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 183, and today I'm joined by Daniel Grant, another podcaster on the That Shelf family of podcasts. His podcasts include Spoiled Rotten, as well as Movies vs. Matrimony. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down in isolation uh, to watch Bamboozled. I'm Jeremy, and I owned this movie at one point, and I feel like I watched like parts of it, but I don't have like a super... I mean clear memory despite the very Mm -hmm. uh specific uh imagery that is associated with this film so uh so i'm the virgin on this episode and i'm here with i'm daniel i have seen it once it made a huge impact on me and i've always like been like okay like this is the day i'm gonna revisit it and then i never feel emotionally up to it um and so (laughs) When you were uh, when you posted in the group, I was like, "This is it. This will force me to do it. I'm gonna sit there and like reconcile how I felt about it, whether or not it was actually a good movie or just it hit me at the right time to see it." But here we are. So I, I literally, I legitimately have only seen it once, which probably explains the issue we had earlier. Where well, I'm it's, like, it's, oh, this doesn't work. It's fascinating because I got they recently released it on Criterion, and I picked it up. Um, on their last flash sale. But um, I looked, I used it. This is one website I swear by now called Just Watch. And, uh, okay. and, it, and it works in, and you can select your country you're in for it. But what it does, if you type in a movie or a TV show even into it, it'll tell you all the different places in the country you're in where it's rentable, streamable, or buyable oh. online. It is a great resource. And I typed Thank in Bamboozle. So it is not on there. Like pretty no. much every other Spike no. Lee movie is. Couldn't find it. So I don't know if it's just that Criterion took it over the rights to it. And so now it's, I mean, maybe it'll end up on their channel at some point for streaming, but it's not mm. right now. So I think the only way you can get this is to buy the Criterion disc. Yeah. Uh, which, as I said, I'm going to do just so I can watch it. Because I, I was like, oh, for sure. I'll get it on the PlayStation Network. Then I was like, oh, no. Okay. Apple TV. Nope. And it's, as you said, it's just nowhere yeah and there was going to be someone else joining us tonight i bet you they would have had the same issue they would have waited to the last minute and then realized it's not available i didn't check because i had the disc right uh, yeah. anyway so yeah so i mean clearly i mean let's you know the elephant in the room is like clearly i'm a caucasian man clearly you're not <laughs> so it's like you're yeah. you know you, you have a much different relationship to a film like this that's you know essentially centers around a commentary on blackface in the modern age like yes. That's the one thing it, I, I remember about this movie. I, the, I mean, funnily enough, the thing I remember, as you said, there's 
very striking imagery for this movie. Like in terms of just looking at a poster for it, it's black people in blackface. But like my takeaway from the movie was it's the only movie I know that like my mom cried in frustration with at the end. Oh, wow. Like that was, that was the impact for me is that like, she didn't like roll her eyes at it. She was just like, I think she was just like, yes, like this is like, this is what would have happened or something like that. Like she just like, it really clicked for her and she's not that big of a Spike Lee fan. Oh, wow. And so like it, that's because like the easiest way to tell her like, or to get her to not like a movie is to say, Oh, Spike Lee did it. And like, <laughs> it's still cut through to her. Like she likes certain Spike Lee movies, but I don't, I'm, it must be a generational thing. She's got a bone to pick with him. And like this movie actually cut through to her and like affected her. Oh, wow. Well, we'll get into more of that after, I guess yeah. I'm curious just as, you know, obviously as a, as a Canadian of African descent, uh, when you first saw like the poster and the imagery for this movie, I mean, I guess, you know, it's a Spike Lee movie, right? Going into it. So that, 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 that brings a certain amount of something to it before, that's compacted with an imagery like that. It, the, the, um, I saw it at a young age. So it was like my first deep dive into anything like a minstrel show or like that concept was just not something that came up like naturally. Yeah, I bet. Um, so it was like, I saw it and I was like, oh, wow. And, and like, obviously this movie is different because it's black people doing it, not white people. But like, just there were some parts I was missing that got filled in but with a conversation with my mother afterwards. But like, it was like, oh, like, yeah, this is, this is some rough stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I, I I grew up in a small town that was primarily Caucasian people, and I remember going through like an old photo album of like, um, who was it? It wasn't my parents, but it was like our grandparents or something. And there was like photos of them at a minstrel show. Oh boy! Yeah, and I was like, what is this? And they're like, and they were explaining to me when I was a child, and I was like, I don't understand why that's that was funny. And they're like. Uh, you had to be there. I think they explained it. You had to be there. And I'm like, I don't know. But, right. But at the same time, it was just, I, but I remember those photos and they were black, black and white photos. They're probably from the 50s or the 40s or something. But I remember looking at them going, that's a fascinating. Why would you do? Were you what? Anyway. <laughs> but uh, I'll try, maybe as I watch the movie, my, my more memories of that will come to me so yeah, the maybe. only thing i know it's i think what the waynes are in this is that true damon waynes damon waynes and michael rapaport that's what i remember yes and it yes jada pinkett as well okay yeah yeah, yeah. but that, i just have little flashes of it for sure but i definitely like if i i think i watched snippets of it i don't think for some, whatever reason i got around to seeing the whole thing it was it came out when i was in film school i think and so <laughs> that was a time when it's like it could just have been we popped it in and someone wasn't enjoying it or we had to run off somewhere and I never got right. it. Cause we were just like, if we were sitting in a room, we had a movie playing. And so often yep. we'd come back and finish it later on. And sometimes we never did, but I think this is one of those ones, sadly, but I'm excited to dive into it tonight with you. Yes. I'm, I'm, I've amped myself up. I'm emotionally ready to do this. <laughs> All right. Let's, so let's just dive in and we'll be right back. All right. Let's all go to the lobby. 
just finished watching. Yep. I don't even know where the fuck to start. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I think for me, I was, well, one, I was like, I can't believe I forgot to say Tommy Davidson was in this because that was the color connection. Um, and, and all the rappers that I know, like Most Def, Cannabis, Charlie Baltimore, I'm like, oh man, like they're really- yeah. I forgot that Most Def was part of this too. Yeah, I forgot how many people are in it. And I will be honest, I had no recollection of is it Mira Sorvino and Matthew Modine being in it. Yeah, I was reading their trivia. Apparently, Alec Baldwin was supposed to do that, and then he didn't show up. And- <laughs> I did read that. I'm like, wait, what? Like, what is it? And then it's like Alec Baldwin just didn't show up. I'm like, well, I guess he showed up for Black Klansman. So the, there you go. Yeah, there's that. That's because he got paid. This was just like a favor that Spike was asking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Mira Sorvino thing. Who knows? I mean, she was. It's interesting because I mean, what's interesting? He's making a commentary on all of his colleagues too, right? He makes the Tarantino comment earlier on, and yes. at this point, no, this would have been earlier. This. Is this is it this point she's dating Tarantino? That's what I was gonna say. Like that was a weird trade-off because I know that Spike Lee goes back and forth between hating Tarantino. He, like they made up because Tarantino's one of the callers in Girl Six. And then I think by the time Django came back around, he's like, All right, no, we're not friends anymore. Fuck that guy. Uh interesting. Cause he makes he also like he calls out Will Smith and Jade is in the movie. He, yeah. he calls he calls out himself, but it, then I should say he calls out himself with the Michael Rappaport character, so that doesn't really right. count. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, so those two award ceremonies, I guess you read the trivia too, that the first one is Cuba Gooding Jr. and the second one yeah. is Ving Rains. Yeah, everyone remembers. The Ving Rains one was I wasn't a cop, but everyone remembers the, the yeah. Cuba Gooding Yeah, I had no idea about the Ving Rains one. The Cuba Gooding Jr. one was pretty obvious to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I remember the Ving Rhames one that he gave away the award to, I can't remember who it was. And it's funny because when it happened, it was at the Oscars. And when it happened, no, was it Oscars or Golden Globes? One of the big ones. It's Golden Globes, I read. I think it was Jack Lemmon. Yep. I remember that happening. I remember watching that. And at the time, it's here's the thing, and this is, I'm sure, probably, uh, I don't know what it is, but it's like... You know, I remember watching that and just and not obviously putting anything in, in terms of race with it the mm-hmm. way they do in this movie. Just going, oh, that's a really lovely thing to do to somebody you admire. Uh, but of course, the way they spin it here and it's like, yeah, of course, I just see it that way, too. It's like, what an interesting. But I guess that's also more of a commentary of Spike Lee shitty on Bing Rames. <laughs> yeah, I he he gets angry very easily. I don't I mean. I don't know what the relationship between Ving Rhames and Jack Lemmon is. So like, I guess reading it on paper, I'm like, it is weird that you'd give away your award, but there might be a story there where like that means something to both of them. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the thing where it's just like, and it's just an awkward thing to do to somebody who is, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, anyway, but the way that Spike spins it here, it's like, Oh, it's such a weird anyway. Anyway, uh, I mean, that's one of a number of things in this movie. It's so, it's re- it's such an interesting thing. I was reading too really quickly while I was watching Ebert's review. I didn't read much of it, but Ebert was just like puzzled by this movie. <laughs> um, and, and sees it as like a failed experimental film. 
it, I mean, I guess, yeah, there's the, the, um, stark difference in like, they're using like DV cameras. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It I forgot about, I forgot about that. No, I forgot about that. Uh, when I first started watching, because I was like, I thought about the Blu-ray. Why does this look like shit? And yeah. it's like, oh, right. He bought. And I read that that was because the budget was so low. He just wanted to be able to shoot as fast as possible and didn't give a shit about the quality. Although all of the um, the TV stuff is shot on 16. Right. Um, so that, I feel like, does make it feel like experimental. And I think sure. what I what I came away from it with was like, I don't know, like maybe people were like, oh, this isn't that great. But it's interesting that like 20 years later, like I could be like, oh, like that's like what just happened in the news like last week. Or that's like that. Like there's so many things that like are, I'm assuming he like knew things like that were happening. I mean, the award show stuff is obvious stuff everyone could see, but like just like those backroom conversations or even having De La Croix like, when he was on that radio station and he was kind of being like, Oh, you know, slavery is just like, it's over. Like we need to get over it. And like, I'm like, Oh, like when Kanye was like two years ago, being like, yeah, slavery is a choice. We need to get over it. And um, I just think that like, there were so many things that are still relevant today that like, it's hard for me to be like, Oh, this sucks. It's kind of just like, it's interesting that like they were talking, I mean, yeah. Like 20 years ago, this movie that people probably were like, nah, is like, well, things are like more at the forefront now that this the movie was talking about. Well, that's just that people weren't listening then. It's like back then it's like, I think, you know, certain people were trying to think of themselves as whatever that version of woke was at that point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we definitely, I mean, and I remember like going through, like just, you know, being the, you know, the observer to it all. Uh, not having like a real personal stake in it the way that, you know, you do. And, and just, and just thinking that it's like, you know, I'm going to have kids in a time where we're going to have like solved all of this shit and we're going to figure it out. And then to have to come back to where we're living now is such a bizarre thing. And like this film has become strangely more important now than when it first came out it's it's more relevant now than it ever was i that's yeah that's how i felt i feel like back then as you said people weren't really like ready to listen to that but i also think it was not as in our face as before no and I'll admit, i think like i think the part i remembered watching this i definitely hadn't seen the whole thing but the part i did remember watching and thinking was really funny and of course that's and now i'm like ugh, me 20 years ago uh, was the line when after all the auditions and and David Wayne oh, says yeah. I don't want to have anything to do with anything black for a week. Yes, uh, and I remember that making me laugh when I saw it. And now I, and I don't know how I feel about that now. <laughs> I feel like you're supposed to laugh at that. That's I think that's what I struggle with is that I know that there is a lot of comedy in this movie, but it's dealing with such serious things that I'm like I like how much of this should I be laughing at? Like, even though I know that a line like that is supposed to make you laugh, but then it does kind of feel like off based on like the movie as a whole. It's really interesting because it's almost like a Michael Haneke film in the sense that it's like, he wants you to come into this and make it feel like a big light comedy. And then it's a big satire. And because you've got like Michael Rappaport during that pitch meeting, like just like, oof, like he's so 
I don't want to say he's fearless in that scene, but he is like, he's, he, he's well aware of the kind of character he's portraying and he goes for it, you know? Uh, And where was I going for that? Um, But but then by the end of it, it's like, it's almost like Spike wants to punish you for laughing at the first half of the movie and for enjoying it. Hmm. I you hope know? that's what he was going for. Yeah. But, but I think I that's what it is. That it's like, I would just, I mean, as, as my own experience watching, it, I was like, I think that's like, that's how I felt anyway, feeling that it's like, you know, this, this is very entertaining and I can see like the satire and what he's trying to do. But by the end of it, it's just like, Oh, you like, you're just, it, I mean, it's what Spike Lee does, right? It's like, it's not mm-hmm. uncommon that he like, I mean, it was the same with uh, not five bloods, the one he made before with, Oh, Black Klansman? Black Klansman. Like, I remember, that, you know, that ended on a very similar note where it's like the newsreel footage. And yes. uh, and that's the one thing he does. It's like, in case you didn't get the point of my movie, <laughs> here's a bunch of clips from other people's art that uh, mm-hmm. helps illustrate my points. Uh, and I'm trying to think where else he does that. I, mean, I, I don't think it's those are the only two examples. Well, I, I mean, just because it's in the movie, I remember Malcolm X does does kind of end off with, not necessarily clips from movies, but like clips from like real life groups, like yep. kind of, it starts off in the classroom, but it then kind of builds out and you're looking at basically Michael Max's legacy through these real life examples. Well, just, I mean, that clip show at the end is just sobering in, in just how, I mean, I can't imagine how that feels to watch. Um, it's, I like I still kind of it's still kind of haunting to see the blackface stuff like the movie like I want to say I'm desensitized by the end of the movie but like even at the end when they're like really getting into it I'm like this still is very unsettling to look at it's just interesting like what I I, I want to know more about it in the sense that I want to know like what about it made people laugh what about it like what's the what was the because that's just it it's like whenever I, I see something like this. I just want to understand it. I want to get like, at least understand that point of view. Cause that's where I, I think I just feel like that's the best place to approach that kind of shit from. Cause if I just dismiss it, that doesn't help either. Right. And I think part of it is these just making sure that, well, I know there was, I think in the movie, they even say like black people had to do blackface if they wanted to be in things at a certain point, just so that because there were no black people allowed to mix. And so if everyone's in blackface, it's harder to tell, I guess. But I do think the initial idea was, yes, you're being able to represent these characters people have seen in books, but it was like um, to make sure that you could keep white people on stage and not have black people again integrate even in that sense so there is this form of exclusion with blackface in addition to oh, yeah horribly insensitive and and um but it's, it's like but what's interesting to me is that it's like if you just want to exclude you know um black people from from entertainment and that kind of stuff at that time it's that you just don't include them at all but the fact that they made the choice that we want to put them into the narrative but in a way that is so uh, full of mockery mm-hmm. or, you know, that it's just like it, the whole thing is just like, just pure. And so the idea of being that is like, they don't want to exclude what they want to do is mock and, yes. and, and make fun because they are choosing to show it. They could just not show content yeah. at all, but it's like, but it's interesting that it's like, they, th- 
and, and, and you got to think it's a bit, you know, the road to hell, obviously, but it's like, for them, it was just like, they probably thought it was hilarious and they probably thought it was harmless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course that's, that's the white privilege, right? Or uh, I mean, it does come back to that, right? Like the, the privilege of being like, I can put on this makeup and do this thing. And then, and it's your fault if it. you're, and it's your fault if you're offended. I didn't mean to offend you. So therefore, how could it be my fault if you are offended? Yeah. Uh, and I think it just comes down to that, 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 and, and, and there's a lot of that in this movie. I mean, Michael Rappaport's character is just like the quintessential, like privileged white male who, even though he's, you know, apparently married to a black woman, you know, and, and has all the sports stars on his wall is the most out of touch guy there is. Yeah. The it's, that's a very specific type of person. And I've, met them in real life so it was very interesting to be like like i know i've seen the movie already but it was just like even if i'm like living in the moment i'm like i know what he's about to say next oh he's gonna say he's blacker than him like uh, like he like checks off the whole list of like all right that's what that person would do like it's it's well done i feel like people say that he's got very unrealistic white dialogue but i'm like for this character at least i'm like and i, I feel like there aren't many characters in this movie that I feel have unrealistic dialogue. Maybe it's heightened, but I'm like, there's versions of this. I've met that. I've met that guy. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and, and so what do you think of the, of the Delacroix character then in terms of just, cause it's interesting. Like, I love that scene with him and his father. Yes. That, that again, someone I forgot was in the movie, like Paul Mooney. I'm just like, Oh wow. Like this movie has got a lot of people. And I it's really stacked. thought it was just those three people we said at the beginning, but yeah. I think I th- well I thought the movie was I guess he does say it like he ta- he talks about like my dad's a broken person and I feel like his dad broke him as well and there's there is this and and even Jada Pinkett's character Sloan kind of comments on it too talking about how he only gets with white women and so he's he's also got this struggle with what it is to be black because I don't know, something happened with his dad or, I mean, obviously his life in in general, but like, so I can see how he would be like, I'm okay doing this very offensive thing. Um, Because to me, it's like, or I'm speaking as De La like to him, it's just this theory, like, oh, I could piss off a bunch of people and then I would lose my job. But you can even see through the other characters, they're like, Jada Pinkett can't even make it through the pitch meeting without being like, no, we can't do this. Like, um, the the people that play like that become Mantan and Sleep and Eat are also kind of like what are we doing here like it, it's yeah like, there's that one moment where um, Mantan just or Man Ray uh, yeah. just turns over is that any mouse coon like what is what yeah. do you call us coons yeah like they're like it's one thing yeah again it's one thing for them to like theorize or like be like okay this is what we could do in theory but I I feel like each of those people in the moment you see like where they are and it's like Delacroix has no problem like going through that whole thing and be like, yeah, like even more offensive. Yeah. But the Alabama porch monkeys, let's go for it. Um, Jada Pinkett tries to shut it down immediately. Um, I think his real name's Womack, like Tommy Davidson's character. I think his real name's Womack. He becomes sleeping. He's, he pushes back a little bit, but then, Mantan who ends up dying is the one that's like, no, I'll get up on the table and dance for you. Like, let's do this as long as, as long as I'm getting paid. Yeah. 
And it's almost like it's it's funny, like the Delacroix character is, you know, the I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word hero or villain, but it's like he's his own antagonist. Mm-hmm. Yes. You definitely. know, in the sense that it's like he's the one like he's almost like and it's funny, there's scenes that it really works. Like there's that great scene with the the PR person who uh yeah, I really like and, that he, scene. And, and he's like, please tell us more about what it's like to be black or what, what or our experience of being uh, about about being black is uh but then there's the moment where he's on the other side and he's being her you know and and with with other people that uh that have his experience and he's trying to tell them how they feel and it's just like it's interesting that he's this weird like double-sided coin that is both like in touch but not like so out of touch It's, it's such a fascinating character it really is because i don't quite know how to vocalize it but you're right like these he's got these two things in him like the two things can be true that he's like this good writer who understands what issues black people have because he start he says them earlier on like he's like why can't we have more shows like the cosby show like we don't need to like and he recognizes that the um that dunwitty wants it to just be ignorant black people on tv but like he also like fully dives in once it like once it's working for him because now it's about like well at least people are recognizing how good i am now this is it and that, that, during that whole award show montage he says that and even and he makes the when he does the big rams but where he gives away the award he says you know he calls it the uh i can't remember what he calls it but he says i'll work forever now yeah and it's weird because i thought in the movie he was doing that to mock matthew modine like to be like, look, like you take this award for this very racist thing, but then I found out no, he, that's just to mock Ving Rhames. Like it's a meta joke. But I was like, oh, look, he's he is really into it now. Like, and so that is interesting to me that he what, was it what as you he said, he's like his own villain in the movie. Yeah, he called. I think he called it the apologetic Negro. I think or something like that. It was something in that vein. He was like the Grateful Negro at one point. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But ugh, yeah, it's interesting. So it's like he's a, it's, and I wonder if it's, it's like Spike Lee almost like it's like he's exercising his own demons here too. Like it's almost because that character that. Is, is so put upon in terms of like the accent and the mannerisms, and it's like clearly this is not like a real human being that exists mm-hmm. in this world. I like thought there was going to be a scene where he drops that, but I don't think there is. Like I thought there was like. Especially when he like that first call with his mom, I was like, okay, there's gonna be a moment where he like drops this act with his parents at some point, but he which, keeps it. Yeah, which I love because that means it, you know, how it because his dad says where the accent come from, so it's like clearly this started off as an act, but it's become him. Yes, He's now he can't shed it anymore, right? And we're expecting that. I think the whole movie you're expecting him to drop the act. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and he doesn't, I think, and there's something endearing about that. That is also like, well, that's why you die at the end. Yes. Yeah. Like it, you, you weren't able to like shut this down and, or walk away from it like the other people. Yeah. That's just it. Although it's funny. I mean, Mantan walks away be too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, what, wait, like you mean, um, Tommy Davidson? Yeah. No, no, no. No, no. It's, it's, wait a minute. Cause Mantan dies. Yeah. 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 Oh, I see what you mean. Like when he went on without the makeup and everything. And he's yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah. He was he, definitely too late. <laughs> yeah. But the other, but the other, but the guys that are the most deaf in his people, like they didn't see that because they hadn't ter- aired that yet. Yes. So they're unaware uh, that he had just rejected all of this. Um, when he when he's out in the alley and they pick him up, which is the which is the beautiful irony of it, right? He had just finally, yeah, had too much. I remember That's, that was the big scene. I remember like that was the impactful stuff. All everything to do with Mantan's death. I was like. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, okay, he makes it out alive. That's, that's great because they do the first thing where they shoot at his feet or just at the ground and he doesn't die. But then they actually shoot him. Like, oh, <laughs> I see. I see. Um, and so this time, like, I knew he was going to die, but I was like, I still got, like, kind of lulled into the, oh, they didn't, they didn't do it right away. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the police stuff at the end where the, that was the other part of it that really stuck with me that they were like there's well it's played by mc search but like that 116th mau mau black character where he was like why don't you kill me too why don't you kill me too and i get i thought like oh isn't that crazy that we just saw um i think his name is kyle rittenhouse the 17 year old with the ar-15 walk past a bunch of cops after killing two people with without being touched and then they the cops in the video you see them rushing towards the group of black people and but then i found out oh that this scene is also based in real life from 1990 or something like that it happened in california that they shot everyone but the two white gang members yeah well and the the only person that walks away from this movie untouched to some extent is michael rapaport yes because no. he's just like, oh, that was unfortunate that that show didn't work. But like, <laughs> even Jada, like Sloan is messed. Well, she kills somebody one, but like before that, she's devastated because she's lost her brother, like the person that she formed some kind of relationship with, and I think someone she thought looked at like a sort of mentor and friend in um, Delacroix before they even before she even shot him. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love that Michael Rappaport's like ginger hair makes him look even worse when he's in the black oh, place at the yeah, end. So bad, <laughs> it's like, so bad. Well, just that scene, and it, it'd be interesting because it's. I look at this and I'm like, this is totally something that Spike Lee, if he hadn't made it back then, he would totally make it now. Yes, um, definitely. But I can. I wondered watching it. I couldn't help but think about him like. Would there be a different level of comfort with the rest of the cast? With with other people right. being uh, doing it, and, and and in particular, I, I look at that one scene where the entire audience is all in the t-shirts and they're mm-hmm. all in blackface, and just looking at it going, "Oof!" Like I, I, I can't, at that point, I'm like, I'm sure there, and and who knows the way Spike is on set. There's a documentary on the on the Criterion, so I might check it out because I'm curious oh, about that scene cool. in particular, and just thinking about like. At that point, I imagine they just kind of slushed it off and went, oh, this is a funny scene. I, I get to say that I'm more of a nigger than anyone else. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, I can't imagine it would, it would have the same <laughs> air on set uh, shooting that scene. It would be scene. really awkward, I feel. like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would and, be even hard to like, I mean, I guess I don't know what, like, what that process would be like for the, for the audience members because you could ostensibly just gather a bunch of people and be like this is your line like on the like in the moment or would you have to tell people this is what you're saying ahead of time and see if they're comfortable doing it yeah it depends on i mean it's the kind of thing where it's like i think 
because it's someone like Spike Lee, you just go, well, he knows what he's doing and he's doing it for mm-hmm. a reason. And you just kind of, you you just have to find the right kind of actors who are going to like just dig in and just trust it and hope that it doesn't blow up in their face. Yeah. But, but I think there would be more, even though it's like, it's, it's, I, I don't think it's a mistake that, you know, Criterion has released this movie now. Good point. <laughs> Very good point. You know, it's, it's of their recent releases, you know, when you think about everything that's happened uh, in the last, yeah, I, I said, I was going to say in the last year, but it, I mean, you know, for many hundreds of years, but specifically the way that everything's really, really ramped up and has become, uh, you know, really charged. Uh, it just can't be, it can't be a coincidence. Uh, you know, part of their mandate is to, is to put out in films that, that, you know, are important, but also are not being shown elsewhere. And the fact that you couldn't find a copy of this online to, to rent or stream speaks volumes. Yeah, that I mean, I'm glad it's out. Like as, as I said, I'm, and now that you said the documentary, I'm I'm even more excited to get it. But it was like, yeah, like I thought I would. This would be readily available for some reason. Well, you just assume all Spike's movies would be right, but yeah. this is the one that I literally couldn't find anywhere. Just like I was, I was surprised when you said that because even even for me, I'm like, why is it on iTunes? Is it because probably because of the cover? Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, the only place it is, like the poster, is the Google Play movies. And so I was like, oh, got it. And then it was like, no, we don't have it, but like, we'll tell you when we do. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. That's great. Yeah. So I apologize for people watching this because usually I try to make sure the movie is super available uh, to watch, but it is available. I'm hoping Criterion will have it on their streaming channel at some point. So this might be a yeah, little bit. Be good. Yeah. So for those listening, I mean, I assume everyone that's listening to this has already seen the movie at some point uh, and it's been out for 20 years. So, you know, yeah. there's, there's that. But uh, for those who don't mind spoilers and are listening without it, uh, you know, try to try to find a copy. <laughs> I'm sure you can find a, an illegal copy if you really try hard. That doesn't seem to be impossible for people, but um yeah, and you and so your mom really connected with this movie. So her thing, I I mean, I'm glad I rewatched it because I thought it ended with the police raiding the Mau Mau's and it ending with the guy being like, "Oh, like why didn't you kill me? I'm white." Because that was my memory. But obviously, I all I know for sure is she cried over the credits and was just like, "Yeah, it's true." And I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like that's this really affected you? I like I did not see that coming. Um, and so it was interesting for me to be like, oh, like she, because we talked about, I guess it's because we talked about that police scene in particular, just because it was pretty striking for me. So maybe that's why I associated her crying with that. But it's one of those things where I think a lot of her work is around anti-Black racism. And so there's so many different versions of that in this movie. Specific and not it's not like white people being racist to black people. It's all the different ways that happens, which which can be other black people trying to downplay other black people. Like he on the radio station, he does a version of that by saying like the crab in the bucket thing. He's using it to explain away this horrible thing he's doing. But there is that element, and that can lead to the anti-black racism within the black community as well. 
and I think it was probably the first modern movie or even just, I shouldn't even say modern, but like probably the first like movie that she could like access um, that had all of that on display. And I think she probably felt heard in that way because a lot of that experience is also people trying to be like, it's not that bad or like, no, what are you talking about? Um, and so I think that's what worked for her is that maybe it doesn't come together as a, a film like in that sense, but there's all these different sections that, that would speak to someone, especially like my mom who has dedicated a lot of her life to exploring that and trying to put policy in place to get rid of it. Yeah, I can only imagine. And, and even, and so that was when it first came out, she saw it. Yeah, we, I, we rented it. So yeah. like, that's how I saw it. I, I don't know. Like, it seems like she would have gone to the theater to see it. Yeah. But, um, well, I can only imagine that's even more relevant now that, that, that concept of like inter-race racism. Um, yeah. and that happens, I think that happens in every race to, to some extent, right? There's the, I think I, the, it's, it's, it's written as a joke, but like the self-hating Jew and, and stuff like yeah. that. And it's just like, and I, uh, and I think it transcends on, you know, it's even back then the, the Marx brothers jokes of I'd never want to be part of a club that would have me for mm. a member. I think it's just like, it's human nature to kind of hate the people that are like you because it's a reflection of who you are. And, and you see the worst of you, or you see the things you don't like or the things you wish people could aspire to be, but can't, mm-hmm. uh, and all these different things. So there's a lot of, you know, it's interesting. Like we just, we're not comfortable in our own skin. We're not comfortable in other people's skin. It's such a, I mean, it's part of the human condition, but it's, it's fascinating and, and, and how ugly ways it can, it can manifest. Definitely at the end of this movie, all those ugly things come <laughs> like it's just a lot of death, but also, as we said, even that montage at the end. Just And, and I think what, what makes this kind of, a, f- a somewhat flawed Spike Lee experiment might be that it's like the one thing he does do typically does at the end of his movies when he like kind of puts up the slideshow of, of shame or whatever it is. Um, it tends to come with some kind of a call to action where it's like, this is horrible, but I remember uh, at the end of black Klansman, it felt like there was, it felt like there was some kind of rally call where at the end of this one it just feels like now it's a shit show and have a good night (laughs) yeah not to say he needs to give us easy answers um but i know what you mean there this one feels a bit more hopeless or maybe even this is just a thought i'm forming now like that so much of it does seem so um studied and 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 thought through that you would think that maybe he had some kind of um, view of what things should be like at the end, as opposed to what you get, which is just like, as you said, like, no, nah, it's just shitty, man. Because the way it's almost like, yeah, it's like, we're like, this is happening now, but look, it's been happening since media was invented and before. Well, because the big thing I noticed again, just like a small moment in the movie that, um, made me think of recent stuff is that that um specifically the music video for childish gambino is like this is america like how there is all this destruction and violence going on but like a lot of people 
I mean, I guess he knew what was going to come, but like a lot of people like latched onto the dancing and like the dancing is what makes it all okay. And it's usually in the forefront while bad things are happening in the back. And in this movie, like when they first do that, like, I guess, test with the audience, no one's on board until Mantan starts dancing. Like that's what gets people like to kind of get comfortable with what's going on. And it is that kind of like in media, a lot of black people, that's how they, like, they even show, like, Shirley Temple. It's like, it was okay to have the black people if they're dancing right there, ne- right next to her. Yeah. Um, and there was the, I think it was the servants. Yeah, and there was the Mickey Rooney, and, um, and who was with her? Uh, Judy Garland. Judy Garland. I did not know about that. I forgot. I didn't know about I that. I forgot about that, too. <laughs> but it's also, but it just shows how it's like those, you know, I love Judy Garland and Mickey, Mickey Rooney. Like, you know, they but then Mickey that said, Mickey Rooney has a history of, of, of uh, he does his own version of blackface in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, may, so, may, so maybe screw Mickey Rooney. But, uh, <laughs> but Judy Garland, I mean, that's Dorothy. What the fuck is she I doing? I think with? she did some growing up and tried to like aim her attention at, um, if not actually saying sorry about that, um, working on causes that um, make things better for black people or marginalized people, I should say. Yeah. But at the same time, it was just like, that's, it was just like, you, I think people didn't put, like, unfortunately, I think at the time, you, they just didn't put any thought into it. You know, it was just kind of like, that's part of the, it was just a tool in the toolbox. It's, it's a tool in the toolbox of entertainment and it's harmless because it doesn't harm me. Right. You know, it's that, that privileged mentality of, of not like looking, st- standing in someone else's shoes and thinking how, how this might make someone else feel or asking those questions. And if, and if someone did ask those questions, they probably weren't answered honestly. Exactly. Because you don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable. And I think the movie shows that like, then they had the wherewithal to be like, we need to be three or four steps ahead to like be able to deflect if someone asks those questions of them or gets angry about it. And I can only imagine that there was an element probably they didn't see a need to do it but i can't like i feel like there must have been some kind of genesis of that back then even of like well these are the talking points if people get mad about this because I, I was i was that. listening to you must remember this podcast and they were talking about um song of the south and yeah even then like there were people that like were in place to like deflect if people got mad about that movie well, Disney, it's funny, Disney Plus itself has, like, they, don't, they will never release that movie on Disney Plus. But they, um, it's interesting, in front of some of the movies, they have, like, a little disclaimer. Mm. That's, like, they haven't edited haven't. them for content, but they, but they do put the disclaimer up, which I'm like, and it's interesting, because we watch a lot of older stuff with our kids, and inspires conversations because they watch now and they go, Ooh, like they get uncomfortable when, mm-hmm. when things like that come up. And I think that's a good thing. Like, I don't think, it's, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we need to edit that content out because I think it's an important part of our history to say, look, it's like when you hear your grandfather say these things that are like, we know them as like unintentionally racist. Like it's like, this is because he grew up in the generation that made content like this where it was not even thought of. And so it's like, it helps to, under like I said, I find it's like it's be- it's 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 better and harder to to understand where people are coming from rather than to just dismiss them because that doesn't help either. Um, no, I mean, 
because well there's that's twofold like it doesn't help you to just pick out oh, they're just idiots but it, it also doesn't help to get like once that understanding happens it helps create more conversations that hopefully um bridges the gap between the people who who want to have thoughts that are intentionally or unintentionally racist with the people who are trying to move past that and forward so it, it i think exactly what you said like that experience of contextualizing stuff for kids if they're looking at what happened in the past because that's what my parents did for me like a lot of it was contextualized and so yeah they weren't like ready for me to watch a movie with a bunch of swearing in it like mostly because I'm probably going to parrot that when I'm back at school but like subject matter wasn't really restricted for me in that sense it was more like if I'm going to watch it there is a conversation that needs to happen after the fact about what's going on there what's appropriate what's not what's what's the context for why that happened in the movie versus what happens in real life so I, I like hearing that like people are like watching this stuff with their kids and having conversations or that even kids are questioning stuff. Yeah. It's interesting too, because we have these conversations now, but it's like, Oh, well, we can't, you know, comedy is dead because nobody's allowed to be offended anymore. You know, you're not allowed to make fun of anybody or anything now because everyone's overly touchy or, but there's, but people are still doing. There's ways to do it, you know. There's and and because I've I gone, I've gone back and looked at my own stuff and just been reflective and going like, was I insensitive there or did was I doing that to prove a point? Like there's there's moments in a movie I made called How to Plan an Orgy in a Small Town where it's about small town people and one of the characters is what I would like to refer to as ignorantly racist, mm-hmm. and it's just like and he doesn't know any better. That's just the way it's okay to talk from where he comes from. Uh, and it's interesting. I remember even at the time, like this is 2014 uh, or 2016. Um, when did I write that movie? Anyway, uh, I remember even at the time, even though it doesn't seem like that far long ago in the scope of like the conversations we're having, it was quite quite a while ago, uh, that conversation coming up in a Q&A. And the audience had this really interesting argument over it amongst themselves where, you know, and, and I think it's one of those things where it's like you have to separate the movie from the characters and go is is the movie racist or is the character racist and the right. movie's aware of it because um, exactly. there's a big difference right if, if you if you want to like have play with satire and play with that but it, like the audience has to know the movie's aware of it and that it's not mm-hmm. like and it's usually and the, the trick is that i always find is like put it in the mouth of the idiot which is what they do yeah. with michael rapaport here uh and i think that's that's the real trick and i, I think we can shed a light on things by making fun of things. But I think it's interesting. My wife literally just said this tonight because my, my, my son was being shitty to his sister. Uh, mm. And he's like, I did that because it was a joke. And she's like, what is a joke? It's a joke is when both people laugh on either side. Yeah. And if only one person is laughing, that's not a joke. Then you're just being mean. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> and I think that's it. It's like, you want to make sure and I think that's kind of where I'm trying to go with anyway with when I create comedy now is like, is this something that everyone can appreciate or is it going to be niche in a bad way? I don't mind niche. I don't mind people not getting a joke, but if it's going to be like harmful in a way that's, that's not helpful. Like not that, that's a weird way to say that. I think you know what I mean, but it's like the idea that I know like, what you mean for sure. 
it's got to be either you have to not get the joke and it doesn't matter, or it has to be funny to all sides. And I think that's, I think that's the new way. But within that, there's ways to be controversial and there's ways to like push boundaries uh, that I don't think have to be um, intentionally offensive. Yeah. I, in, in a negative way. That's what I think. Like, I, I think that there's, um, not everyone who gets dinged for it, but I do think that most times when I think of people who get dinged for being insensitive or people, I mean, I'm like, that's also just like a lazy joke they told. Like that wasn't, yeah, you didn't, you didn't need to go that way with it. That it did seem kind of mean spirited as opposed to something that like got, made people laugh, but also like, Oh, that's a good point or something like that. Like it was kind of like, Oh, like, yeah, that's just mean what you did. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's like, and that's where it comes out. It's like, well, if it's not fun. If you, if someone on one side of that joke is not laughing, it's not a joke or it's not yeah. a good one. Yeah. It's just, it's just low dangling fruit. And I think anyone can just, it's not hard to be mean. And I think that's where we were going. I think that was happening anyway. We were going down this route of just like comedy, just being mean. Um, and, and what I like to think is like kind of the world waking up a bit, uh, is kind of aired us away from that. I remember even just on sitcoms where everyone's the same race, whatever the race was, it was just like, it was just, every character was just an asshole to each other. And that was the funny. And that was the jokes. It was like, they were just nasty people. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily about, you know, color or race or gender or anything like that. It was just like, it was just like the, the tone of comedy and it was just was getting, for me anyway, it was wearing me down. Cause I'm just like, this is just feels like negative, negative energy where it's just like, I think there's a way to, no, there's a way to a spoonful of sugar and all that fun jazz. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Uh, what else? I mean, what, any other final thoughts about this and just like maybe any of other spikes of the work that you, you dig or you don't dig or like, where do you land on Spike Lee in general? His early stuff is really good to me. I, um, I think what this, I, people don't like this. I've gotten into Twitter fights with people over this. I, <laughs> I'm trying to think how to word this. Oh, um, just do it. Just I, do I, it. I'm someone who likes Quentin Tarantino. We did the um, Reservoir Dogs episode yeah. together. Um, I like Quentin Tarantino. I think a lot of my opinion on Spike Lee comes from how hard he goes at Quentin Tarantino. And then I look at his work and I mean this more as the later work, like something like Miracle at St. Anna is this movie that's ostensibly supposed to give me some insight into what it's like to be a, a black soldier during world war two. And I came away being like, I don't know, like there was like a love story with <laughs> David Oyelowo and like, we we fell in love with this Italian woman. I'm like, okay. Like, like, sure. Like that's fine. But like, I watch a movie like, um, hateful eight where like, I guess people don't like that movie, but like, for me, I really like on, I, I really honed it. Like, I love that movie. I thought that was really well done, but like I honed in on the fact that Samuel Jackson has that speech where he's like, fuck you. Black people always need to disarm white people. My Lincoln letter is how I disarm. And I'm like, yeah, that's like how I am with my dog in my neighborhood. Like I disarm the people around me by like, they're like, oh, he's got a dog. He can't be that bad. And like, <laughs> that's an insight 
that this white director that Spike Lee thinks is bad has that I've, I've never seen that level of insight into what it's like to be a black person in North America in a later Spike Lee movie. Maybe he's already told those stories, but it's kind of like, if you're going this hard at this guy, like maybe you're picking the wrong guy because of the white directors who are even engaging with this stuff. I feel like he has, I can pick moments in most of um, Quentin Tarantino's movies where I'm like, he gets whatever from a distance, but he gets what it's like to be a black person in, in a, in North America, or at least he knows how to represent that in a meaningful way that speaks to me. And so that's what I like about Quentin Tarantino. Yes. He uses the N word a lot, but it's like you said, like, is he racist or is every character who uses the N word in his movie, someone that would have done it anyway? Like the racist, the racist people or the black people. And it's like, I've never, other than his character in Pulp Fiction been like, oh, it's weird that that person just said the N word. I'm always like, yeah, I mean, sure. Of course they said that. Yeah. His character, that, that was the only time too. Is like, this is uncomfortable. Because <laughs> it's that it's the Michael Rappaport character that's like, I have a black wife, so I can do this. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't like this at all. Yeah, but that's probably intentional. I, I hope, hope so. it was. All I can do is hope. I like and hope that was intentional. But it is like the one time where I'm like, I don't know if I'm willing to defend that. Like yeah. that's that that one doesn't sit well with me either. Um, but. So that's where I lie with Spike Lee is like, I, I love um, Do the Right Thing. I, I like Jungle Fever. I like Crooklyn. Um, and maybe it's just the, the times that I saw those movies. Well, not Do the Right Thing. I feel like everyone agrees that's a great movie. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think once you get to like the Miracles at St. Anna like thing, and I feel like People have their qualms with Black Klansman. I liked it. I feel like he didn't really dig in where he needed to, but I was willing to go with it. I, I liked it. And The Five Bloods also worked for me, a, a less so, but still kind of worked for me. So I'm like, it had really great moments. That way. Yeah, I had really great moments in that. And same as Black yeah. Klansman. I think like some of the parts are better than the whole maybe mm-hmm. but i think yes. uh but definitely i had like one of the most amazing screenings of do the right thing in film school i was in this film philosophy bird type course that people just took for like because we had to have a th- philosophy credit mm-hmm. we then we had simpsons philosophy amazing which was great uh but there was this um autistic guy in the film class and so when we watched Do the Right Thing, you know, we the whole point of it, you watch the movie, then we have a big class discussion over the, over the themes and whatnot. And and really early into the conversation, he just raised his hand and he stood up. And he's like, I'm confused. Why did the Italian man hate the black man and vice versa? Mm-hmm. And what it became was like, basically the underlying thing was that it's like this, this guy through his you know the way his brain worked couldn't understand racism yeah uh, and just and which is is great because it shouldn't make sense right it's like it doesn't exactly. it's like i just don't understand why though and and what it was was like it was a class full of like people of all different races creeds and colors trying to explain how racism works but almost to the point and i remember seeing that going we're trying to convince him that racism is a thing that should exist yeah, and he just won't process it. 
And I think that's the most beautiful thing that we're getting out of this. We should be more, everyone needs to be more like him. Yeah, just be like, no, it doesn't make sense. Like, why? <laughs> and and I, whenever I think of Spike Lee, I think of that moment in that classroom. And even though it was like this small shared moment between like a couple hundred students, I'm like, I walked away going, yeah, I wish we could all be autistic in that sense that it's just like, we just, we just can't comprehend it. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I am pro Spike Lee overall, but I do feel like he's got some misses that make me not like a huge fan. Yeah. When he swings big, the one that I remember, it was the Kickstarter when he did the blood of Jesus or something like that. Yeah. I didn't watch it, but I I remember the trailers. That's a tough film to watch. It's just not, it's just not good. It's just a weird there's a reason I, knew I wasn't going to like it. <laughs> there's a reason the man had to turn to Kickstarter that he couldn't get that film funded. Yeah. It was, uh, but bless him, but bless him for trying. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that he still makes movies. Like that's, that's a big deal that you, that he still can make movies. And I'm sure he hated that he had to go to Kickstarter, but like he's still getting movies made. Um, yeah well now he's in the netflix cycle i don't know i don't know the numbers on on uh five bloods but it's like i'm sure that if he wanted to keep on making films on netflix they would openly he keeps and keeps it the same as any of them any of the people that are like those mid-range filmmakers like keep your budget at a certain level or or they'll tell them what the budget is i'm like this is how much based on the analytics we'll give you for your next movie yeah yeah well thanks for this man Oh, thank you. I'm glad that we were able to do it. Some stuff tried to get in the way, but we did it. Yeah, we made it work. Technology tried to to damn us, but we we struggled through. All right. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. I really enjoyed revisiting it. It's as uncomfortable as it made me feel. I'm like, it should make me feel uncomfortable, a movie like this. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, All right. We'll we'll do this again. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm always happy to join in. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Let's all go Thanks for joining us for Bamboozled. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time... Go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.